It's episode 103 of Dive in the Podcast with special guest Olivia Fully Submerged. Dive in the Podcast is a weekly all about diving podcast for everyone. Whether you explore the oceans as a snorkeler, scuba diver, free diver, or tech diver, Dive In has something for you. The show is filled with diving news, feature interviews with guests from around the world, interesting dive topics, and ocean advocacy. Visit DiveInPod.com to find out more about the show, past guests, and our Patreon. Hi, everybody. I'm April. I'm Amit. I'm Justin. And we're the hosts of Dive In The Podcast. Before we start today's episode, we'd like to thank you, the listeners. Thanks for tuning in every week. Your support encourages us to keep going and make a bigger and better podcast. If you enjoyed listening to the show, you can leave us a review on your podcast app or at podchaser.com. Reviews are one of the best ways to help others find the podcast. Last week, we had on Tammy Hagerman, uh, and she was another great guest. Can't say how happy I was on that one. Good old, uh, not that she's in trouble, but Tamlin Hagerman um, was very happy to have her on the show. Was even happier when I saw her in person in the Bahamas. So to <laughs> yeah. uh, to get that cool, quick tour of the the Cat Palou and then finally see her on the way out and have her back on the show, that was fantastic. So uh, super cool stories, and yeah, just a person that's generally quite happy and done some pretty neat things with her with her career. Yeah, it was really fun. It was cool too because. Uh, Hoppy, our captain, another South African, mm-hmm. uh, I was like posted on social media or whatever as we're recording. And he was like, Tam is on the show. That's awesome. And he was like super <laughs> excited. And yeah, so it was cool. And now I want to go have her as a captain too. I can't get enough of these South African captains in the Bahamas, you know, on all these all star cruises. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and I, you know, I think very few podcasts are recorded from boats motoring around True. in the Caribbean, around the Bahamas. Uh, so it's uh, you know the one thing you can only find at dive in the podcast, and that's guests all over the world, especially <laughs> on boats the the in on the Caribbean, yeah. live that while is pretty cool, motoring though. around. It was cool. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah. So yeah, engine humming in the background yeah. unique. on the way from the night dive site to the sleeping site. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's cool uh, stuff. Those sad yeah. moments when Josh was probably eating cereal on the way <laughs> during frosted flake hour was that's right recording. <laughs> yeah, sorry for the people who don't know. This is just a when we were on the trip. I'll out Josh here, but. Uh, um, April's partner at the end of every night dive would just eat a big bowl of. I think it was Frosted Flakes and milk and then just vamp out to bed before anybody had a chance to say goodnight. So, yeah, just Frosted uh, Flakes It was a sleep. thing. <laughs> he got me hooked on it, I'll tell you that much. Uh, I was I was into the Frosted Flakes by the time we were done. Mm, I'm thinking about going upstairs now and getting some Frosted Flakes. Mm, they're great. They're- <laughs> <laughs> see, how, see how I slid that in there, Justin? That was really ba- good. Barely caught it. It was so smooth. <laughs> Uh, All right, okay, okay. Let's get on with the show here. <laughs> and uh, we we have a shout out 
this week for one of our listeners. So uh, Colin, whose uh, handle is getting salty. Uh, we saw the awesome shark he was drawing on his story as he's uh, catching catching up on Dive and Pod. And uh, he's like still pretty early in. He's a, he's a new listener. So he was on Irene Marcoux's episode, which I think was like episode 33 or something. Mm-hmm. So he has a lot in store. And probably by the time he listens to the shout out, He'll be like, oh my God, that shark was forever ago. So anyways, <laughs> cool. Colin, whenever you hear this, thanks for listening to our show. Tonight, we're speaking to Olivia Felisa Marriage. We're going to be talking a little bit about how she got into diving and becoming an instructor. Uh, we're going to move on to her career uh, being a dive safety officer. And then lastly, after our break, we're going to be fully diving into her fully submerged social media presence. Mm. Olivia is an American IDC staff instructor from the Midwest and just moved to Florida to follow her passion. She also works as a dive safety officer for an aquarium management company. She started making TikToks and Instagram reels, which have totally gone viral. And she is marketing scuba to the younger generation in an all new way. Welcome to the podcast, Olivia. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. We're happy to have you. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you guys? Well, good. Another another beautiful day in Nova Scotia. So, you know, it was above freezing and uh, not raining or snowing. So I count that as a win. Definitely. <laughs> You're just down in Florida now, though, eh? So you got some good weather. Yeah, I'm really shaking it up. Although I think it's supposed to rain in like an hour, but I actually love rain. So I'm looking forward to it. That's that coastal lifestyle. If you don't like the weather, yeah. just wait an hour. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Awesome. Well, enough talking about the weather. Uh, we've got an interview to do. But before we do that, Olivia, uh, have you ever dove any wooden shipwrecks? I don't believe so. Actually, I don't think I've dove any shipwrecks. Any shipwrecks? Ooh. Okay. No well, shipwrecks. Well, I think you'll have an opportunity now that you're down in Florida to uh, to change that for sure. There's yes. lots of amazing yes, wrecks yes. there. Yeah, and artificial reefs. But uh, anyway, in case you missed it, um, a plucky robot found the long-lost endurance shipwreck. In late 1914, explorer Ernst Shackleton and 27 crew sailed into the icy waters around Antarctica. Their state-of-the-art ship, the Endurance, stretched 144 feet with three towering masts, its hull ultra-reinforced to resist crumpling in the floating ice. The crew's plan was to hike across the frozen continent but the sea had other ideas. Endurance got stuck off the coast and slowly was crushed by the floating ice, forcing the men onto the, one of the most famous feats of survival in history. The wreck was discovered by a search team, Endurance 22, on March 5th, 2022, in the Weddell Sea in 3,008 meters of water, only 6.4 kilometers from the location its captain recorded almost 100, 107 years ago. Under the Arctic Treaty system, it was designated a protected historic site. Ironically enough, the harshness of the Antarctic seas both sank the Endurance and preserved it like no other shipwreck. A vessel made of wood is supposed to quickly rot thanks to microbes and critters called shipworms, which grow up to about five feet long as they chew through the wood. But Antarctica is devoid of trees, which means there aren't any organisms in its surrounding waters that have evolved to break down wood nutrients. Pretty wild and lucky. Mm Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I didn't realize it was that deep, actually. So yes, yeah, I was 
I think when I saw it, I was making jokes on Facebook about like, yeah, we'll just take a quick zip down there and get <laughs> things up. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't think we'll be planning that dive anytime soon. But, but I mean, really from a historic standpoint, though, that that's an incredible find. And I think it's kind of neat that uh, the Shackleton's estimation of where the shipwreck was was actually so close to where they actually found it. Like 6.4 kilometers is not that much. And when you think of a a vessel dropping down, what, 3,008 meters? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Who knows what the currents and tides and stuff were doing? Like maybe that's a, a fair drift path for that, right? So yeah. he might have been spot on. Obviously, he would have been pretty good doing what he's yeah. doing, plus he saved his entire crew. So And 107 yeah. years ago that he, yeah. you know, yeah, crazy. Yeah. Wild stuff. All right. Well, now that you're all cut up, it's time to dive in with Olivia fully submerged. So, Olivia, where are you from? Oh, that's... <laughs> That's a question. I'm from the Midwest. Um, I have spent time in a lot of different areas of the Midwest. So I've been in Indiana, I've been in Iowa, I've been in Minnesota, um, and now I'm in Florida. So I'm finally no longer a Midwesterner. (laughs) How did you first learn about scuba diving? Um, Well, I, I will first learn about it. I'm not I think my um, my like great aunt, she uh, was a marine biologist. She's actually a nun marine biologist and scuba di- did some scuba diving, um, like in full on nun clothes and everything. Um, no way. So I think that is my only family member who um, does scuba diving. Um, but I got interested in it in college when I was doing biology as my degree. Um, and then it was offered as the... Um, like physical education credit. Um, so other than ice climbing and <laughs> ping pong and things like yeah. that, I figured uh, scuba diving probably matched up with my degree the best. So that's kind of how I got into it with the idea of scuba diving not being my focus of my job. But then once I did it, it ended up being that um, that's what I really, really liked. So it's kind mm-hmm. of all you know gone downhill or uphill from there however you <laughs> glass half full or half empty exactly that's really cool too that uh you had that option as like a credit for school to learn how to scuba dive um so what was your open water like in the midwest did you do it in a quarry or what was that experience like yeah so particularly being in i was in iowa for college um I think this kind of often forgotten about that, like places that are landlocked or Midwest middle of nowhere even has the opportunity to dive. So yeah, especially having it as my PE credit was definitely weird. <laughs> so I was like, I'm definitely taking this opportunity while I have it. Um, my open water dives were in a quarry, like a small little quarry in some dude's backyard. <laughs> <laughs> It was 46 degrees outside and pouring down rain. Um, Visibility was terrible and it was freezing. (laughs) I think it was in April too. So it was like just fresh ice melt, Um, which actually sometimes helps with the visibility, but not so much (laughs) this day. Um, Yeah, it was, it was definitely uh, not the most beautiful dive ever, but we toughed it out. (laughs) That seems pretty cool. Now, I think when you when you're describing that, I th- I, I just 
can't believe the people in the middle of a landlocked area are continuing to, to dive. But as well, we know that you're not dealing with tropical diving there and your experience isn't in tropical and or even like warm water diving. With those kind of hurdles to overcome, what actually kept you doing a, or, or being a diver? Like what, what kept your interest? Yeah, so I think definitely because um, with like the biology degree, um, I knew I wanted to like eventually get to Florida or somewhere mm-hmm. here. Um, so I was trying to stay as active with it as possible and um, uh, go on to like kind of what I was wanting to do with biology was something with um, taking care of like fish, which is also what I do. <laughs> um, so uh, that requires scuba diving. Um, so staying active with it so that, you know, down the line I can continue on doing this and be in a location that's not so um, difficult to dive was, was definitely pushing me through. <laughs> mm. And did you do all of your courses in the Midwest? Cause you are an instructor. So did you go all the way open water through to your instructor course all in the Midwest? Oh yeah, everything has been. I would say probably nine, eighty to ninety percent of my diving has been in freshwater Midwest or aquariums. <laughs> wow. Well, that's going to yeah. change. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, <laughs> oh yeah. Eventually, though, you like kept pushing. You became an instructor. Um, so, so tell me a bit about that journey and what what that was like. Was you go through it in those circumstances? Yeah, so oddly enough, there in the town I went to college in, there was a very small little dive shop. Um, so I continued on my training through Dive Master there. And then when I um, got my job that I currently have, um, which is like aquarium care um, for aquarium care management company, mm-hmm. um, they needed a dive safety officer. Um, so for that role, you have to be an instructor. So that's kind of what was, I had known I was going to eventually take the leap to instructor, but that was kind of like the, the big push um, was for me to take on that role. Um, I needed to do my instructor certification. So um, that was once I had moved to Minnesota and uh, there's actually a pretty ample dive community in Minnesota. You might not guess it, but um, so a shop is much easier to find in Minnesota than it is in Iowa. But um <laughs> So yeah, it wasn't easy or it wasn't hard for me to to link up with the shop up in Minnesota and get the rest of my instructor certification done. And then I have a course director who's definitely a um, you know push me through it. Like I know that you're ready before you are, uh, kind of thing. So he <laughs> kept pushing me on through um, master scuba diver trainer and then staff instructor as well. Nice. Um, I mean, so other than like you know having to do it. For your job, like how has the transition to teaching been, and like wh- I mean, what do you enjoy most about teaching? Um, I think my favorite part of teaching is that it makes me be patient. I mm-hmm. tend to be an incredibly <laughs> impatient person, um, and that is a time where, like, I understand that you know it's not something that people always come to naturally. Um, so, like, my brain is all there, and that like it takes time, and it's it's not normal, um, and so it like pulls me back into that like be patient with people, <laughs> um, <laughs> and just in general, because like typically in life I'm like, let's go, let's get it done, mm-hmm. um, move, move, move. So that's my favorite um, part of like it, kind of like a personal, <laughs> personal uh, like 
reality or like a personality yeah. check for myself, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. It's nice when, uh, when things like that challenge us to be a little bit different than maybe we are sometimes it uh, yeah. helps us focus on different things. Um, and, and speaking of focusing, I imagine you've got at least one memorable teaching story or a memorable student or something that you could tell us about. Ooh, that's a good one. Let's see. I had a student who had some sort of a learning disability, um, and she was awesome. She was, uh, I don't know, she was a younger, a younger gal, but um, mm-hmm. she couldn't quite keep up in the typical, like the regular class, but she was so eager and so, um, you know, determined. And she just had such a like drive to do it and to learn it. Um, and she also had like really awesome parents that were super like understanding everything. Um, so I had to pull her out of the like normal class just cause she needed more time to do everything, mm-hmm. um, and put her into a private, but it ended up being like one of my favorite classes that I've ever taught um, because she was so like eager and like determined and like spunky about doing it that like getting to do that with her um, one-on-one was, was like really um, it was really an awesome experience. And she was, she, I don't know, she was just great. (laughs) She wrote me, I think she's my one student who wrote me like a thank you card. I still have it actually. Um, And I was like, so amped to get that thank you card. Cause like sometimes people like, um, I don't, well, sometimes people bring food and treats and stuff like that, but she like wrote, went and picked out a card for me and like wrote me a thank you note. And I just really loved that. She was probably one of my favorite students and one of my favorite moments. <laughs> she oh. did awesome. Very cool. That is cool. That's awesome. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of instructors, you know, talk about the challenge of, you know, they're the enjoying the challenge of getting somebody who may have some difficulties learning to dive, to become a diver and become an amazing diver. And, uh, and on top of that, overcoming some probably some preconceived difficult, you know, imagined, uh, you know, sometimes in a group setting, you'll like have one person that's struggling or whatever, but to overcome all that and to have such a great outcome from it is, is really awesome. Yeah, particularly for her, too. She had like just so many questions like she came up with all like she had question after, you know, and why is this and why do that and why did that? And I was like, I want to answer all these questions for you, but we got to keep going. So then when I told her, I was like, I'll answer any question you have. Let's like lay it on me. Let's go as much yeah. in detail as you want to know all this diving stuff. Let me have it. And she did. So she definitely, <laughs> she, she definitely knew what was going on by the end of it, but she, yeah, she was super enthusiastic about it. All it was awesome. Awesome. So you mentioned a little bit before about your diving safety officer job, but can you explain to us exactly what it is that you do? Yeah, so um, the company I work for is a aquarium management company, like I mentioned a little bit before. Um, so basically, we take care of aquariums, whether that's a private, um, commercial, or residential setting, um, pretty much anything we'll take mm-hmm. it on. Um, so uh, the largest uh, accounts that we have are with um, uh, like several, probably like I think it's 25 or 35 of the Bass Pro Cabela's locations across the country. Uh, okay. Um, okay. So, you know, those large tanks that are inside of those stores, mm-hmm. um, they're contracted out to be cared for. So that's what um, some of those systems across the country are 
the company I work for takes care of them. Um, so those are typically, there's random other places that will have tanks large enough to dive, but for the most parts, it's our Bass Pro Cabela's locations that do the diving. And I basically um, just manage the whole safety aspect of our divers across the country. So um, right, making sure I'm reading the OSHA, <laughs> all the OSHA stuff on, on safe diving practices and then um, you know, making sure that what we have lined up our programming um, for our divers is safe. Very cool. And then, so when you're doing that, I guess, like how has your trans, how's your training, I guess, transitioned to be able to like help you with this process? Because that can't always be smooth when you're trying to like enforce safety rules in any situation. Cause people always have the, yeah, 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 that's great, but I'm doing this kind of attitude. <laughs> Um, what's that transition been like for you to actually be a safety officer in these type of uh, types of situations? So actually the diving we do is pretty different from regular diving. So we actually dive on a hookah system. So like snuba type diving rather than, um, actual scuba. Um, so the, safety rules and stuff like completely flip over on their head. Mm. Um, and also we have a lot of like our tanks are on, um, none of our tanks are deeper than 10 feet. So we don't have a whole lot of that issue I have to run into. Um, so it makes things a lot easier and a lot more difficult in some ways, uh, but it's definitely different than, than safety aspect for um, mm -hmm. being a scuba instructor, like in recreational open water type yeah. diving situations. Mm, okay. So in the U S uh, do these divers have to be commercial divers or is this something like a recreational diver can do with the proper training? Cause here in Canada, anytime you're paid to be in the water, other than a scuba instructor, you have to have like various commercial certifications. Oh yeah. No, we just have to, we, I think technically as far as, well, in like a, touristy setting snuba you don't mm -hmm. have to be scuba certified but we require that all of our employees be at just open water scuba certified okay no in the u.s you don't have to be commercial no i'm lucky <laughs> makes things a lot cheaper <laughs> yeah that sounds intense <laughs> i mean so have you got to like do any wild dives or work on any cool cool like locations or anything being tied in because in my mind you say I'm a dive safety officer for an aquarium management company. My brain goes to like, I don't know, whatever that stupid fish tank show was tanked. tanked. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the giant, sometimes giant fish tanks that they had there and, you know, getting in any of those. Have you ever been in any of the fish tanks, uh, tanks yourself? I mean, the Bass Pro top shop tanks were pretty impressive. So yeah, just the, just the Bass Pro Cabela's ones. Um, yeah. mostly all the Minnesota stores, um, so I've been in all of those, but I started okay, with yeah. this company literally right out of like, right as I graduated, I started with them. And um, then I've just been with them in on those systems since um, cool. at the store it, here in Florida, we have gators and hogs. So I'm going to be starting to train in a wow. full blown Florida gator wrangler. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. That's nuts. <laughs> we'll have That's to check awesome. back in and see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we need to talk to Olivia, the gator yeah. wrangler. Make sure. Finger count. I'm, I have <laughs> 10. Yeah. <laughs> we'll right. soon. We've got it recorded now. Yeah. yeah. It's on the record. <laughs> started with 10. Yeah. How, how did you find that company right out of your uh, open water training? 
Yeah, I was just like applying to literally everything and anything that had scuba <laughs> in the search engine. Yeah. And uh, they're the ones who I fell on. So. So, and I'm also feeling a little bit left out because in Canada, Cabela's has no tanks. So I'm not not sure what, (laughs) but Justin's from Vegas. So he knows Mm. all these, you know, Mm -hmm. crazy US Cabela fish tanks. Yeah, I'm going to have to do some Googling and see what they're all about. Because I'm disappointed that we don't have any tanks here (laughs) in Canada. Tornado Rays could use a giant scuba tank or giant fish tank. Yeah. I wonder if... um, I wonder if they're, well, I they know there's aquariums up there because I'm like, it's so cold, but I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure the, the, the one in Alaska also has an aquarium. I just, sometimes I'm like, dude, your, your chiller system has to be <laughs> working on <laughs> overtime, like all the time to keep um, regular just, temperatures. <laughs> <laughs> I, I imagine the Cabela's in some of the bigger cities in Toronto and yeah. stuff have, have just tanks. Not I just, just not Nova Scotia. We're too much of a small town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, so now that you've moved to Florida, you're going to keep working for the same company. Um, but how is your job going to change? Okay. So yeah, now we have obviously more than just aquariums here. So I'll be taking on gators and hogs, like I mentioned. Um, and then I'm also kind of stepping a little bit out of before I was like full time. Um, I do like dive safety a little bit on the side, but I was full time aquarist. I had a, a store um, with like four t- or three tanks and two ponds that I took care of. Um, so now I'm stepping back a little bit from that and I'm helping with their training program. Um, so since I've been doing so much more like social media and digital work, um, I have a little bit of a hand at editing and things like that. Um, so getting our training material converted into like video format so we don't have to be on physical calls with every new employee we get uh, over and over and over again to do all these training things. So I'll be helping mm-hmm. out doing some of that as well. So, so I'm curious too because you've become a, you know, number one dive safety officer, a scuba instructor, and now you're dabbling in the editing and marketing kind of world, but you went to school for biology. So what was kind of your original (laughs) career plan? Okay. So originally I actually, (laughs) weird fact about me, I really am interested in teeth And I uh, really like, uh, I've always liked the dentist. That's another weird thing about me. Everybody hates going to the dentist. I've always loved going to the dentist. So originally I went for biology for dentistry. I actually had like a scholarship from my dentist to do dentistry. He was very disappointed that I switched to scuba. But yeah, but then the thing with that too is that biology, basically like I hadn't decided until the very end of college which direction I was really going to steer towards because biology for dentistry and biology towards like more marine or wildlife Mm -hmm. kind of stuff is basically the exact same path until the very end of your college. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had a few extra years to kind of decide which way I was going to, you know, take the wheel and I ended up going and taking more like ecology and um, zoology type of courses instead. 
awesome. Well, I mean, I now you'll that. have the gators to fulfill those uh, teeth woes that you have, right? <laughs> so that nice. interest in teeth. I think you'll be able to fill <laughs> one way or the other. So I am curious before we move any further, though, you keep hinting at these like gators and, and hog wrangling. Like, I want to know about this, man. Like, what what exactly <laughs> is entailed with wrangling gators and hogs? Like, are you like Steve Irwinning these guys? You're going to be wrestling around and rolling <laughs> the dirt with them or what, what's happening? Probably not exactly. It's a little probably over exaggerated. Um, <laughs> they definitely they do like a live feeding show, so there's like target training involved with um, feeding all of them because you have to monitor, um, you know, how much food and who gets what nutrients and things like that to make sure that everybody's well fed and taken care of. Um, wrangling will come into play if there's ever um, a gator that needs like a treatment or needs to go into quarantine or medication or to be checked up on or anything like that. And obviously it has to be, you know, taken. There's like a back room um, holding thing for them. I haven't actually mm. seen it yet. I haven't, I've only been here for two days, so yeah. I haven't gotten in yet, but they do have like a, <laughs> a back area for if anything needs to be done. And that's all again, like under um, our care. That's not, I, unless it was something huge, they might bring in like a vet or something like that. But um, otherwise we have vets that like appoint the treatment to us and then we just carry it out for them. So that would be when the wrangling would come in would be if any gator needed any sort of treatment or anything like that, then gotcha. you might have to gotcha. get on top of them. <laughs> Okay. Oh, I mean, I want to see some pictures of that when you start posting. Absolutely. (laughs) It always fascinates me. And like, I, (laughs) I see the guys like feeding these things and I'm like, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. But, uh, cause I don't know, maybe they're, they're slower on land or something, but when you see one of them snap down, like, I know that's a crocodile, but like you see one of them snap down a wildebeest, I'm like, yeah, I I don't think I want any part of that, but sure. Uh, I applaud you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm definitely down to diving with gators too. Like every time I see that, I mean, uh, there, I think there are people, I would definitely want to go with somebody who's, who's well knowledgeable and versed about like mm-hmm. watching out for behavior, things like that. But I would still be game for it. Get me in there. Let's go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> see, I, I think I, I'm more scared of diving with gators or crocs than I would be of sharks. I don't know why, oh, but I, I definitely. I am. would agree with that, but I'm still down for it. <laughs> yeah. All right. I see a lot of social media coming uh, coming our way here once you start like doing this crazy stuff. So it's going to be kind of cool. Definitely. That's awesome. awesome. I also think with your dentistry stuff, since you're in Florida, you got to get into like searching for like shark teeth or something. Maybe that's mm-hmm. like a, a happy medium. Yeah, Venice Beach. Uh, actually, I've done it. <laughs> Have you? But, yeah, Venice Beach has uh, like known for a bunch of shark teeth and stuff. So it's like just a shore, little like very shallow, nothing's around or anything. But if you just dig around in the sand, um, you can find tons of shark teeth. Um, that's there a fun you go. One. It's not like mixes your think. two your two favorite things: teeth <laughs> yeah. and scuba, all in right? one. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm hoping someday maybe the gators will need some work on their teeth too, and then. <laughs> Mix it in there as well. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like brush, of- brush gators teeth or something. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Reminds me of uh, in Rudolph, like the Christmas special, the elf who's like wants to be a dentist. It's <laughs> like stuck as an elf oh. <laughs> at Santa's workshop. It's like you, you're like the scuba diver dentist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well. That was a great first half. We're going to take a short surface interval and we'll be back with more from Olivia Fully Submerged. 
This episode of Dive In The Podcast is brought to you by Torpedo Rays Scuba. You can find them online at torpedorays.com. They've been teaching Canada how to dive for 25 years and are a proud sponsor of this podcast. If you're in Atlantic Canada and want to take a course or see the shop, stop in and see us in Dartmouth and check out the huge selection of scuba, apnea, surf gear, and much more. Dive tours are available for locals and visitors to experience all that our ocean playground has to offer. TorpedoRays.com has a vast selection of dive gear at unbeatable prices with free shipping available in Canada and quick shipping throughout North America. So visit TorpedoRays.com or stop in the shop and you might even see one of us there. Next up on Dive in the Podcast, our Desert Island Questions special with our guest, Olivia Fully Submerged. Our Desert Island Questions and Answer Special are a reward for our patrons, but only for 30 days. Anyone can listen after that. To hear this part of the show, head on over to patreon.com slash diveinpod. Give them a listen. Welcome back. You're listening to Dive In the Podcast, and it's time to dive back in with our guest, Olivia Fully Submerged. Olivia is an IDC staff instructor, diving safety officer, and a social media expert. You have gained quite the social media following uh, via Fully Submerged. Uh, First of all, can you tell us a little bit about how you chose the name? Oh, yeah. Um, Okay, so... I, in college, when I very first got certified, um, one, like all of a sudden was totally open to this world of scuba. And I was like, I want to see what other divers are doing because I'm stuck in Iowa. Um, (laughs) Let me like live vicariously through other people. So I went like delving in to the internet to find my like favorite platform is actually YouTube. I love YouTube. I watch mm. like exclusively YouTube. Um, so I like went digging into YouTube to find um, anybody that like vlogged dives or showed dives and things like that and came up like almost bone dry. <laughs> um, so I think the, the one that kind of was along the lines of what I was like interested in looking at, cause I think there's lots of like treasure hunting Um YouTube channels, but that's like interesting for a little bit for me. And then my, my, uh, interest is like, Oh, another cell phone. Cool. Um, but (laughs) drenched, there's that, uh, YouTube channel called drenched. Um, and then I just from drenched kind of like trickled down to well drenched submerged. Um, Mm. but there is a scuba shop that's called, um, submerged scuba so i didn't want to like take away from (laughs) their thing that goes on i think they're in australia or something like that um and then it was i was like working at a dive shop and more of my life was becoming uh, like fully involved around scuba diving so i went with fully submerged um yeah so that's how that happened i like it so i guess after you picked that, or was it before you picked that? May have been before, but when did you really get into making videos, and uh, why did you start making them? I think you kind of partially touched on it because there wasn't really that, you know, that presence uh, for people doing that. But uh, maybe tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so that was like the uh, initial time that I was like, "This lid doesn't exist," and I still haven't even gotten to the point of doing that. I'm hoping to be able to do more of what I've been like in college being like, this doesn't exist on Mm. YouTube. Like there's not like people video recording, like, uh, their dive experiences, like, 
uh, vlog kind of style and travels and whatnot that is specifically scuba. I mean, there are like a few, but but largely it's it's a not very um, well fleshed out category. Um, so that's like when I initially had the idea of it, and then that's when my Instagram account was created. Um, but I really just posted like just little things here and there that I was doing. Um, for years and years and years until 2020. And that was um, when I really learned, like started learning about actual like social media strategy and things like that, uh, just in, you know, COVID boring time. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then I was like, you know, winter too. During the winter up in Minnesota is very cold and uh, nothing going on. You're not diving. So I was like, still just like getting in the pool when I could. And then pools got shut down. So I was like, I'm going to paint the, you know, walls of my shower and put on my scuba gear and take pictures. <laughs> like just doing <laughs> stupid things like that to, to keep somewhat involved in scuba diving why i couldn't go scuba diving and and then it just kind of kept spiraling from there and then they introduced the reels feature and and and, and then it now we're here so <laughs> <laughs> did did you expect to have the following that you've gained um I guess not really. I mean, I certainly like once I really started doing it, I obviously I was like looking into strategy and things like mm -hmm. that. I wasn't just like, Oh, I'm just posting a post. Like, I mean, I really enjoy doing it, but I definitely like understand some of the strategy behind it. I don't know that I would categorize myself as a full on expert, but um, I do like understand a little bit, like what to, you know, what's very shareable and things like mm -hmm. that to, to, help push it but um it's mostly all stemmed from just that i was wanting to do something to have fun with scuba while i was stuck inside so you're on that same podcast uh idea so yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> how to stay involved yeah 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 and covid although it sucks it was uh great for creative minds and starting new projects yeah definitely um, here in Canada, we have like a massive lack of young people diving. Uh, I know in tropical places, there's like, you know, I wouldn't say a ton, but there's definitely more people diving. Um, around here, like, I mean, in Nova Scotia, you see a lot of like the old fishermen and uh, I don't know. I don't want to say like old crusty men but you know old that'd, that'd be us men. yeah and yep. <laughs> half half this podcast yeah we got and, it yeah. Uh, you guys are not old crusty but you know you're not young uh no I'm uh, <laughs> but uh i always try to say like we're starting to get this like dive community here um and i mean it's cold and it's, you know it's not sexy you are covered in snot and you're in a dry suit and you're shivering and you know it's it's not sexy. It's not tropical diving. Um, but we always say we're like making scuba cool again. And I think social media is like a huge part of that. And just, you know, reaching out to young people and making it accessible and, you know, just like literally putting it on their screens as an idea of something that they can do. So I'm curious just kind of what the response is that you've gotten because you're right, there is nobody. Well, yeah, there's really nobody doing what you're doing. And when I'm scrolling through TikTok and I'm scrolling through Instagram Reels, 
your things are popping up because it's like in my algorithm, which was how I found you. And you're really the only one. Like, you know, there's there's not many young people making these kinds of TikToks and these videos. Uh, so you are, you're, you know, it's not a normal thing. So I'm just, yeah, what, what kind of has been your response to all your videos? Um, yeah, I mean, like, it, it's kind of like, um, it's very interesting to me that I ended up in like the scuba, scuba comedy realm. Um, although not like wildly surprising, my senior year of high school, I was like, voted class clown um for the females <laughs> there's like a male so i was definitely not overall class clown but um like comedy is definitely or like humorous kind of stuff is is definitely in my personality range always <laughs> not to be like i'm so funny i kind of like don't want to be that but um it's it's like how i behave all the time so naturally when scuba becomes part of my world like i understand how to you know, switch into the comedy for scuba um, role pretty naturally. So, um, yeah, I mean, I get uh, mostly good feedback. I, I got a lot of people that, like, you know, enjoy having the laughs. They're always like, oh, you make me smile and things like that, which is obviously the goal. The only time I get negative feedback is when I mention split fins and then all the crusty <laughs> old men are in my comments really pissed off that I am <laughs> hating on split fins. Um, but Do you say hating I'm, on them? Uh, no, hating on me for hating on them. Oh, um, okay, I got you. I got you. Yeah, 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 sorry. But... Um, the, my favorite part about that is just that every time they comment how annoyed they are that I don't like split fins, um, I continue to get pushed into their algorithm. I know I'm getting pushed <laughs> into their algorithm more because they're interacting with my stuff. And I'm like, the more you keep commenting how pissed off you are, the more I'm going to keep showing up. So, I love yeah, it. I love it. And split fins do suck. I'm just uh, going to agree with you. <laughs> Throw it out there. Yeah. 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 Sorry. They're I'm going to take a hard stance on that with you. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you find that... Uh, you have any people who like aren't divers or weren't divers and they kind of came to your profile and got interested in scuba? Yeah. So every once in a while I have, well, I've done polls before too, where I ask, like, I'm curious, like who's actually a diver, who's not a diver. And I uh, would say substantial amount are divers, but there are definitely a few that are interested in diving, um, but not yet certified and have come across my page and they're like, Hey, I, you know, sometimes they'll DM me for advice and things like that. Um, so yeah, there are there are that out there. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's cool. I think it's important too because I mean, I always think of it as like a surf industry thing. I mean, surfing is seen as, you know, very popular, very sexy. People wear shirts with surf written on them and they've never seen a surfboard in their life or, you know, they live in Saskatchewan and they, you know, have this like surfer lifestyle. So, but I think Salt it's like sticker on their car. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So... I just think like, you know, why is scuba not like this? And how do we get to that point? And I think it's people like you making rails and having people who aren't even divers watching them and kind of gaining this interest is, you know, the way to, you know, that that world and, you know, getting more into pop culture. Um, but I'm going off on a rant and I should bring it back to the question. <laughs> but... <laughs> um, 
when we were talking too about, you know, the old crusty guys hating on you for, you know, talking about how much you hate split fins. Uh, how do you deal with, you know, the haters or, you know, some of the creepy people online when you are having like a, a social presence? Yeah, I would say the haters are a lot easier for me than the creepy people. Um, I have a pretty thick skin. I um, I wouldn't ever categorize myself necessarily as like a very sweet, like, you know, that kind of a personality. <laughs> I'm, I'm a very like blunt to the point. So it's it would be pretty hard to, to say something that, that upsets me that if it's mean, like I couldn't care less. Um, the creepy is a whole new realm for me that almost actually made me quit. Like at the beginning, um, I had no idea that there was so much um, fetish to scuba yeah. and scuba stuff until starting my accounts and things. And now I have been um, become far more aware than I would like to of all of it. Um, I frequently get requests i guess i'll call it in my dms or just inappropriate wow. messages or whatever with scuba things um <laughs> those yeah those are a lot and i i wish i didn't get them but um i do <laughs> i do my best to just kind of i like you know i just block whatever mm -hmm. it is if it's something that's um even with mean comments if it's mean and in it is uh you know maybe a little more rude than necessary, but they're also having some sort of critique that I think is relevant to keep in the comments for other people to see a different opinion. I'll leave it. If it's something that's just being nasty, I'm just going to block you. Um, mm -hmm. Same thing with the, the creepy people yeah. in the DMs. I'm just going to block you. I, I don't, I don't waste the time with it. That's all. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we talked a little bit just about like, uh, you know, before we before the show, we talked a little bit about like the privacy factor of your online presence and having yeah. to take steps to protect yourself. Uh, and I think that too, a lot of people don't realize that we as women deal with a lot of like online predators. And, you know, even in a dive shop, we deal with that kind of like unwanted attention. Uh, so I just wanted to mention that I respect that decision. And I think it's great the steps that you take towards, you know, protecting your privacy and putting up those boundaries. Um, and I'm really glad that you've been able to create a space where you can create content and promote yourself all while, you know, feeling safe and protecting your privacy. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely, yeah. I've been like, oh, I got to be aware of this. <laughs> yeah. You know, there'll sure. be people that like I've blocked on one thing and they will dig up every single avenue, like contact me on any single, like, find my email, find my other social sites, find all the things uh, to continue to contact. And I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> this is yeah. really a lot. <laughs> so that's when Crazy. I had to step back and being like, oh, okay, we got to be real careful about like, just being like, this is where I live. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I mean, with online, I guess that's, you know, it's, it's one of the battles that you take on of just, yeah, protecting your privacy because we want to, you know, create this content and have this social media and market and everything like that. But, you know, this is the unfortunate side of it all. So I, I actually think it's really cool that you've created this like 
social media identity uh, to be able to like create content behind and also protect yourself. So yeah, I think that's really cool. Definitely. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, I think like the normal average person would go to my page and be very much aware that it is scuba comedy and it's mm-hmm. just jokes and that's it. But apparently other people think otherwise. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no accounting for good taste anymore. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't know where you got from point A to point B on my content. Cause none of it is even suggestive. I don't know, but okay. Uh, well, you know what? Just, I don't know. I think you probably summed it up with the creep comment, but like, yeah, there's just some people where no matter what you put out there, it's probably going to spin their head in that direction. And well, I mean, like you said, best solution, block them, don't interact. Yeah. With them. Block them, yeah, move on. Yeah. That's, the block list is extensive, but it's, you know, <laughs> 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 um, and speaking of your content, uh, you know, you're, you're, creative and funny and uh you've got lots of you know great videos i've i've you know flipped through a ton of them and laughed and how do you how do you keep uh producing those do you have is it tough uh or does it come natural to you um i think i pretty much have like my i kind of have like for my creativity like once i'm in the role of it it Mm. then starts coming naturally like when i first started making them i was definitely much slower going but now i pretty much can get one out every single day and then i usually take a break on the weekends but yeah i pretty much have a have a steady pace going now where like throughout the week i'm scrolling watching videos i find like i'm you know saving any audio that i'm like oh i can do that one oh i can do that one oh i can do that one and then i record them all on the weekend and then they just go out every day throughout the week It's so impressive to me because I watch your like TikToks or your Instagram reels and I laugh and I think they're hilarious and I would never think of any of them ever myself. (laughs) And I have like tried to do the TikTok thing and I can't, I can't think of like anything funny scuba related (laughs) with the audio. So I'm always so impressed. Uh, with all of yours and I'm always like that was so funny and I like the peeing in wetsuit ones those yeah I was gonna say there's your staple joke if you want to do any the staple joke is peeing in wetsuit it will perform well every single time I ride that joke till it dies Oh man, that's fantastic. So now uh, I imagine though doing this, and I say imagine because I don't uh, have like an Instagram account. I actually only have uh, a Facebook account so that I can like, you know, approach people and be like, hey, by the way, do you want to come on the podcast or what have you? Right. Uh, But yeah, like I don't have an Instagram account and these kinds of things. So uh, I'm like an old guy that's away from that. So I imagine though, the connections that you're making would be pretty significant. And so is there anything like from an opportunity standpoint or just like a random weird connection standpoint that you have kind of come up with as a result of your social media presence? There's one that I'm hoping to make happen. Um, She actually just blew up, crazy blew up. Um, But there's a, a girl, her name's Alexis. And she is the diver for NASA. I don't know if you've seen her videos. No. no? But no. I'm okay. Want to now. She's a safety diver for NASA in their neutral buoyancy laboratory. And she like she went from like a thousand or two thousand or something like that to now I think she has like twenty thousand followers or something. Um, wow. Like literally in the last couple of weeks, crazy. Um, But she, before that, like saw my videos and reached out to me and was like, Hey, if you ever want to come to the, 
um, neutral buoyancy laboratory, I'll give you a tour. And I'm like, I am so doing that. And I want that so badly. If I can get in that pool, I'm going to be so pumped. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. That would be unreal. So I'm like keeping a hard tabs on her. Yeah. <laughs> I'm real glad I got the in before she hit like crazy amounts of followers yeah. and I'll get buried in her DMs. Like, yes. Nice. Oh my God, that'd be amazing. I remember right before I moved to Canada, uh, NASA was advertising uh, in like the diving whatevers to in Patty job postings or whatever for neutral buoyancy lab divers. And I was like, hmm, am I making the right decision moving to Canada or should I like sit around and apply to NASA? Uh, <laughs> move to Canada. Yeah. It was a good, it was a good decision, but still there's a little thing in the back of my mind. So you'll just have to go. I think in, um, I think it's Alabama. They have like a, another one up there. It's not quite, as extensive as the mm-hmm. neutral buoyancy laboratory, but um, they have like a little like be a NASA diver program that is for a public. <laughs> you could live out your dream that way. <laughs> there you go. You can go DM at that, Justin. It'll be like nothing you've ever DM before. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so will fully submerged scuba always stay like fun content or are you thinking about like growing it into other, other aspects or just kind of roll with what you've got? I think for my Instagram, it'll definitely, I'm going to write out this, this reels thing. Um, I do more like educational stuff on my YouTube. So, um, all the questions that I had students asking me over and over and over and over again, that I was like, why does nobody know the answer to these before they show up? Or like, why, why don't these, why don't they have the answer to this question? Um, and then I like looked around, like, if you just Googled it, would you find the answer? Would it have to literally just be password of mouth? And a lot of it that was just like, you know, not the standard stuff you get taught in courses, but like little extra tips and things like that. Um, we're yeah. mostly available in like forum type format. And I'm like, I just mentioned earlier, I don't like reading, reading makes mm-hmm. me fall asleep. So I'm somebody who digests information mostly in video format myself. So I was like, well, why don't I make those tips into video format instead? So I do more of that over on my um, YouTube channel. I'm looking to do more of that. And then obviously now in Florida, um, do more, um, like take people along on dives with me and things like that. So very cool. And so I guess one thing that I'm curious about is the importance of creating channels like yours and how you feel that allows Gen Z to see scuba in a modern way. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I think that, well, April talked earlier about the, how it's a, very much the dive community is still a older, um, older crowd of people. So I think twisting, uh, or like just making the content that's more digestible for a younger audience, just to, that's going to be what piques their interest to get them more involved in it. Um, you know, obviously there'll be people who have personalities that are, are, drawn to scuba anyway in in the you know traditional methods of of getting into scuba are are still going to work but um i think having the variety of of introductory into it and having it very accessible to the um you know younger generation will definitely help with getting scuba to be more diverse in age <laughs> and hopefully gender too <laughs> mm. 
Absolutely. So where can people find these, you know, hilarious TikToks and Reels and your YouTube channel? Where can they find yes. you online? So I'm on uh, TikTok and YouTube at Fully Submerged. On Instagram, I'm Fully Submerged Scuba because somebody already took Fully Submerged and I've contacted <laughs> them and they won't contact me back. So until I can figure out how to get the scuba part off, it'll be Fully Submerged Scuba on, t- on Instagram. Awesome. And Olivia, what keeps you diving? The endless things to explore. What is it? 70 per, or 90 per, what is it? Percent that's underwater? 70. 70. 70? <laughs> 70? I was right the first time and then I second guessed myself. 70% of, you know, everything's underwater. So, um, and it's what the like least explored part of the world. So mm-hmm. it's super that, that draw, that intrigue of, of what are you going to find? Awesome. It was super cool talking to you. And uh, I can't offer you like a NASA neutral buoyancy uh, <laughs> pool, but I hope if you're ever in Nova Scotia, you'll come for a dive with us. Uh, or maybe better yet, if I'm ever in Florida, maybe I'll come dive with you. But uh, it was cool. And you're kind of like uh, one, of our, one of our first like younger guests and one of the first we really talked to about, uh, you know, marketing and social media and... I know. This is one of my favorite episodes. It was super fun and great to meet you. And yeah, loved it. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, you too. Uh, my uh, boyfriend is actually Canadian, so it's not oh! too off, off <laughs> chance that I will yeah. be. Normally, I mean, we're, he, his family's in Ontario, but... Um, and we won't hold that against him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know that show Letter Kenny? Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 That town is literally like when I watch that show, I'm like, <laughs> this, this is it. This is the, this is this is what it is. Um, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, cool. I'm, I'm not scared of Canada or Canada diving or Canadian diving. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, I mean, good. if you're pulling off 47 degrees or what's that like about seven degree water in, in our world, yeah. Um, yeah. I think you could probably manage mm-hmm. here uh, right up until probably November or so. And then you might start finding it a wee bit chilly, but uh, then I have to learn ice. Or do you guys, I don't know. I always get confused. Like if you're Nova Scotia, you guys are like in the ocean. Oh, we yeah. are. Yeah. We're right yeah. on the ocean. Yeah. So I don't know if it like free, like when we have lakes and stuff, it literally fully freezes over. You'd have to ice mm. dive, but I don't know how yeah. that works for. The ocean won't totally freeze here. Portions of it will freeze, but it'll stay. Uh, the worst I've seen is like slushy or like some mm. right. areas. So it's not freeze. fully like ice diving. No, we no. do do some ice diving here, but it's on lakes or quarries. So oh, gotcha. ocean ice diving. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. But you could tough it out. I think you could totally do our like minus two degree water. You're tough, tough. I just need to get myself girl. a dry suit and then I'll right. be good. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not scared of it. <laughs> no. I love it. I love it too. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again. And uh, yeah, we'll have to catch up again in the future. Thanks so much. When she's lo- lost a finger from her gator wrestling. Keep all your fingers, Olivia. Don't yeah, listen to her. Keep all your fingers. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. And it builds character. Okay, tonight um, I wanted to chat a little bit about safety. I've spent uh, so far this entire week in a 
in a CPR instructor, uh, first aid instructor course, getting another CPR and first aid instructor certification, uh, as to go along with my Dan and, uh, and Patty FR ones. So, so I've had a lot of safety on my mind and it kind of made me think about like safety and diving. Um, so I had a question to, to ask you guys on the pod here, uh, in, in brief terms, what, what do you, what is a safe diver to you? Ooh, a safe diver to me in an elevator pitch Mm -hmm. is, uh, I think somebody who dives within their limits and is well Mm -hmm. aware of their limits, uh, and is also a good buddy. Yeah. That's my like short, my short, what is a safe diver? I think so. Admit value. I I think I'd agree with April and it's one of those things that you cannot necessarily like, you know, put a target on because at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, it depends on where you are in terms of diving. Right. Because I think of when I first started diving, I figured uh, I was a pretty safe diver. I did all those things that April was just talking about, but my knowledge for diving or maybe the amount that I understood about diving was not that high. And mm-hmm. then that gradually increased over years. And, you know, so then as you kind of leave recreational diving and you step into tech diving, then it becomes like a different realm altogether. And uh, I I think, so I think maybe uh, I, let's go with like, I would accept April's um, statement there or like her definition of it. And I would add to it that maybe it's a diver that continues to embrace like the principles mm-hmm. of safe diving throughout whatever direction their diving might take them. Yeah. Continues yeah. I agree. To learn and stay and, current. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I think it just goes to show how safe like diving is and equipment is and stuff that like little errors, little errors in a place that's trying to kill you underwater, uh, <laughs> keeps, you know, you, you come out of them alive. You know, most mm-hmm. people do and they have small issues or small lack, gaps in judgment or safety or something like that. And I don't want to, I don't want to make this next question sound like a, um, like it's bashing on anyone or any group of divers, but I often wonder if like, because of that safety margin that I think is there, I wonder if, if recreational divers in general take safety seriously um, or they just, you know, they go, okay, I'm going to be cautious. And that's, that's as much safety as they have to worry about, or are they, or they're doing risk assessments or, or, you know, I don't think they're doing risk assessments, but you know, I don't think the average diver is, I don't think most divers are doing risk assessments, but anyway, I'm just kind of wonder if the average recreational diver considered, you know, someone who's got safety at the top of their mind. I think that they're complacent. I think that uh, we get to maybe, you know what? I've had a lot of times the newest divers are the mm-hmm. safest divers because, you know, they're still in their good practice of doing their wharf uh, buddy checks. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I think that uh, over time you get complacent and new divers too. One thing, I mean, just equipment wise is uh, they see anything that is not of the norm, is not textbook, and they question it. And Mm -hmm, you're always like, oh, no, that's nothing to worry about. But they always question it. And the more experienced you get, you know, you have the whole mentality of little bubbles, little problem, big bubbles, big problem. (laughs) So (laughs) I think we, uh, you know, we, we get a little bit complacent. So I don't know. Yeah, I guess to answer your question... 
maybe safety is taken uh, five out of 10. I don't know. Maybe six out of 10. Depends on the diver. But I, I don't know. I might think that the newer the diver, maybe the the more, you know, safety is on their mind. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think you hit on a good point. And, you know, I think that's kind of some of the principles in, in Gareth Locke's book that uh, where we mm-hmm. talk about these ideas of, you know, certain little things happening, but then we look away from them where we don't pay close attention to them. And then as a result of that, in the human factors scenario, as kind of pairs up with like that normalization of deviance pieces that the more you dive, the more you're aware of problems occurring and you know which ones you're you're allowing to occur or not occur. So I, I think you are right in that to a degree, as we continue to dive, we will accept certain safety issues that maybe you wouldn't uh, accept mm-hmm. if you were a brand new divers. And so mm-hmm. maybe at that, you know, that point that you turn out a brand new diver, they may be a safe diver. But I, I w- again, I would say they're only a safe diver when they're diving within their level of training there, because you take that person and you put them into a, a rough sea or a dry suit or all these other things, and then mm-hmm. they may not be safe divers again. So it's a relative term. And mm-hmm. so to your, you know, to your point, I, I think, yes, um, or best back to the question, I guess, yes. I think the average rec- recreational diver is probably doing their best to be a safe diver within the the means that they have or the levels of information that they have access to. Um, it's just a question of then do they continue with that practice? And frankly, I, th- I think that that's influenced by the people and the dive community around them. Right. And I'll throw mm-hmm. myself under the bus on this one. Cause I, th- I think it's important that you get a, you know, from that standpoint, actually do that. But, uh, mm-hmm. I recall recently this winter being on a, on a night dive, uh, with, uh, I think it was a night dive anyways, on a dive with, uh, my good buddy, Al, who's a great, um, you know, great diver and a fantastic uh, person to go out with. And I had done my checks uh, ahead of time because I knew the water was bloody cold. And mm. I, uh, Al was starting to go through his uh, safety checks because we generally, when we go out, we'll actually run through a full gamut of equipment matching so that we know what everybody has and what people are going out with. And And as an example of, you know, sort of me not being a great buddy in that situation, I was like, Oh, come on, man. Like it's freezing. Like, let's just go diving. Uh, and I was like, Nope, we're going diving, but we are going to do the check. And so we run through the check with this group of folks that we're going out with. Mm -hmm. And exactly like he said, like, there's a reason why we do it every time. And there was, because one of the, one of the girls who was on the dive that I hadn't dove with before in the equipment matching said, Oh yeah, but you know, my BCD inflator is actually down on my side. It's one of these other, I don't know, maybe it was one of the axioms or something that has the inflator on the side it's of the like BCD. the I3 system. Yeah. Right. And, you know, so for me, that was, a, that was a great example of like, yeah, I wasn't the guy being the safe diver there because if mm. she had a problem, then I wouldn't have known had I skipped the equipment matching that Al decided to do that, oh, guess what? This person who's coming with us, like if she has a buoyancy issue, I'm not going to be able to address it. Or certainly I won't address it as efficiently Mm -hmm. uh, without having gone through this process and now knowing what gear that she has. And it did. It it actually took me a second and I was like, oh, okay, let me have a look at it first before we go so that I understand where it is and how it works because it's not going to do me any good as a a buddy to her, uh, even if I'm not her direct buddy, but just a person Mm -hmm. that she's going diving with. If a situation occurs and I don't know how our equipment works, right? So, uh, yeah, I think we can be easily complacent and there can be that normalization of deviance or that these uh, extraneous factors that uh, put 
uh, time and cognitive pressures on us, or in this case, physical pressures, because I'm like, it isn't getting any warmer. Uh, But, Mm -hmm. you know, he was he was pretty like significantly staunch in that his viewpoint Mm -hmm. was like, yeah, that's great. We're doing it. So you can either do it or not come diving. And I'm like, perfect. Well, let's do it. And, and it turned out to be the right decision, right? So I think yeah. it does, uh, for the sake of whatever, throwing me under, under the water, no puns intended. Um, <laughs> then uh, I, th- I think, yeah, it, it changes on a day-to-day basis. But for the most part, I think people are trying to be safe trying divers be safe. because I don't know there's many of us that want to go out and drown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, we all, myself included, kind of like often go get a little complacent or like, yeah. you know, fall prey to that uh, normalization of deviance or the, uh, the Swiss cheese pieces that we're talking about. And it's mm-hmm. great to have mm-hmm. people check you on that. Right. Yep. Yeah, for sure. It's uh you know, it's a, it's uh it's one of those things where uh, often as you get more experience, you, like you said, you get more complacent and, uh, and that's when, that's when risk increases. And uh, that's when, you know, statistically like over time in the past uh scuba divers uh before there was i think there was a lot less focus on safety i was thinking about that this week in the past 15 years and it's you know people talk about safety issues now people talk about all kinds of stuff um and and that we'll have these chats in the future going forward in this safety segment but uh you know it's just uh it's good that we're we're safety minded, um, but I don't think that scuba diving is necessarily if you're doing it, you know, within the bounds of your certification and and you're doing it as a cautious diver. I don't think safety is necessarily da- or scuba is necessarily dangerous. So, um, or is you know inherently dangerous. Uh, so to wrap up, I kind of want to know if you're off the top of your head, I know I put you on the spot here, but. What do you think one thing a diver can do to become a more safe, obviously this is a very relative word, (laughs) safe Mm -hmm. diver? I'd tell you, you know what, right off the hop, I'd be like, go read human factors. You want to be a safer (laughs) diver? Go read human factors, uh, frankly. Uh, Or, uh, well, I guess that now I'm violating the terms. Stratus Cass's (laughs) book, uh, another great Mm -hmm. example. You want to be a safe diver? Go read about what happens when when shit goes sideways and how you should be dealing with it. Right. Educate (laughs) yourself. I kind of feel like if, if people spent more time assessing risk, um, Mm. just before a dive, just, just in general, doesn't have to be anything crazy, you know, but those things that we teach you in an open water class, like is the, are the conditions safe here? Have I dove in this type of conditions of the dive plan to the, to a depth within my level of training experience Mm. and my buddy's level of training experience, those kind of things. Um, and uh and and feel comfortable in their group to say no or you know call a dive i think that uh that kind of just basic stuff would be make lives a million times better in the long run Mm -hmm. i guess mine would be to set yourself up for success so whether that's yeah diving within your limits Mm -hmm. um but also just like being prepared for when things don't go exactly to plan. So, you know, whether that's care, you know, even though you're just doing a dive at Fox Point Beach, like, mm-hmm. uh, or a really easy dive site, like, have your SMB with you, or have a first aid kit in the car, or have the extra blanket in your back seat, or if somebody comes out and they're like really, really cold, or mm-hmm. I don't know, 
just, I guess, like being prepared, setting yourself up for success, like diving, diving within your limit. Just, I don't know, I guess like kind of a blanket <laughs> term yeah. of all of those <laughs> things. Just like being prepared, uh, you know, and, you know, having the options there. Because I've heard people say, you know, it's just Fox Point Beach. What can go wrong? Oh, it's just this. We don't need that. And uh, you never know. I mean, it. Uh, you know, people drown in bathtubs, so anything can <laughs> anything can go wrong. Yeah, definitely. Well, I appreciate you guys sharing your uh, sharing your thoughts and opinions on safety. And I'd actually also would like to hear our guests if you have any thoughts or opinions on safety, close calls, anything like that you'd like to share. Uh, go to DiveInPod.com. There's a button right on the main page. You can record a voice message. I'd love to play it back. Or send us a uh, send us a message on the social medias at DiveInPod, email, any of that stuff. You know where to find us. Just check our uh, link tree or our show notes, all that stuff. You can find us there. I also want to thank Olivia from joining us from joining us i also want to thank olivia for joining us it was an absolute pleasure having her on it was a nice chat well it was a lot of fun um patreon supporters we appreciate you and remember you guys get a couple of you get the early access to this week's um you get early access to this week's desert island questions so those are on the those are on the patreon now if you're not a patreon member uh you can hear this week's desert island questions next month you've been listening to dive in the podcast i'm justin i'm april and i'm amit don't forget you can support this podcast at patreon.com slash dive and pod and get some fun rewards for doing so visit our website dive for all the links you need episodes merch and even connect with us on social media this episode of dive in the podcast was brought to you by our sponsor torpedo ray scuba thanks for listening <laughs>